1: From the anti headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the anti Pokercast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker. Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's September 24th,
2: 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza,
0: And I'm Scott Long. Go ahead. You sound like you got something to say. Oh, I don't. I was just going to say greetings from Ohio, and uh, I just want to congratulate my higher state Buckeyes for completely dominating Tulsa in the last three minutes of last week's game. <laughs> oh man! I tell you,
2: you just never know anymore. It's like almost college football is almost like the NFL, or on any given Saturday, you know. Any?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I thought I thought my entire football season was doomed, and I was already looking up when pitchers and catchers report. <laughs> uh because uh I don't know if you saw this but there was a guy who uh pardon the pun but parlayed a $25 free parlay card <laughs> um and he was 15 of 16 going into the Monday night game. He had called every other game correctly. Wow. Right? And if the Lions won, he was going to win 730,000 or something like that. Wow. And when I saw that article, and I'm like, "There is no way this guy's gonna lose. <laughs> that is just too good of a story." Yeah. And uh, and then uh, the Packers game started. I'm like, yep, this guy's gonna be rich, and I'm gonna be 0 and 2." So, that's <laughs> but, um, but no. So the, the Packers ended up playing pretty well um, most of the game, and uh, it turns out that that guy actually did a um, a save on his ticket. I didn't know you could do this, but um, and uh, technically you can't. They they usually don't offer a save on a promotional ticket but right. they they did their ran their odds and said hey you want to take 130,000 and not risk uh lions winning tonight we'll give it to you today and he did it so holy cow that's huge i didn't hear about so that is, yeah he got he got rich and i got one and one so we're yeah. all happy so. <laughs> win-win <laughs> awesome. now i just get you past mighty akron on saturday night so oh yeah if you lose that game oh man not a chance <laughs> Yeah, they're already talking about trying to get the, as many quarterbacks and reps as possible. I'm like, how oh, well, about you get as many points as possible? Let's start with that. <laughs> exactly. Let's do that first, and then we can worry about the other stuff later. Oh, man. Uh, but, you know, hey, we're uh, we're privileged Ohio State fans. Everybody's whining about only 76,000 fans this week. Yeah, <laughs> like, Only 76,000 fans. First world problems. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, that was the smallest crowd uh, since I've been alive. Wow. Which is amazing. It's 1971, before they had a crowd that small in Ohio Stadium. So, wow. There is something to it, but still, right? Yeah, right. Pretty sure uh, UConn did not uh, pack
2: 76,000. Uh, I don't, does UConn even have a football program? I don't even know anymore. Like, <laughs> they, so, they, they are barely holding on to barely, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. The intramural football, I think, is what's <laughs> all the rage in Connecticut. Powder Puff. Powder Puff. Hey, I was a Powder Puff cheerleader. Oh yeah. Hey. yeah I, was. I was a
0: powder puff uh, fan. Yeah. Uh,
2: you could you could have stopped at fan <laughs> You were a powder puff.
0: <laughs> oh, Alright, let's I, get into I got, some poker. I got, cut, uh, I got cut from the powder puff team. That's how bad <laughs> I said. You were the water boy. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> the World Series of Poker has added 11 online bracelet events to the series, which kicks off in just uh, one week here. The online events with buy-ins of $400 to $5,300 will be available to players physically in Nevada or New Jersey, and one of the events also will be available to players physically in Pennsylvania. The additions bring the number of bracelets expected to be doled out this year to 99. Wow. That's so, is someone saying 99 bracelets of... Uh, gold on the wall. <laughs> no, I I thought you were going
2: to say I got 99 bracelets, but uh, you, you're not one yeah. of them or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
0: know where you're going with that. That would have been a good one, too. That's actually a more modern one. Yeah, sorry.
2: Sure. And one of these days, right. we're going to actually have a discussion about the watered-down product of the World Series, but it, it well, keeps getting pushed yeah. off.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, this week was a perfect segue for that, but we had other news that's yeah. more important yeah. We'll bring it up again whenever we get that item on the show, but uh, you know, all right. So here's the thing: Um, this has been probably the hardest World Series of Poker for the organizers to plan ever, right? Right. (laughs) Like last, they just didn't do it. Uh, I mean, oh, they did that little online thing and hybrid, whatever. You know, let's just not call that a real thing. Um, So this year, they're trying to do a real thing and try to make it as successful as possible. Trying to accommodate everyone, which is impossible in the year 2021, right? So, um, you know, I'm going to be a little less critical of them for for doing that. So, I mean, if if you are somebody upset that uh, you can't go to the Rio and play because you're not vaccinated, well, now they just threw you 11 bones. So, you can still go to Nevada. You can go to uh, New Jersey. Of this one event, which I still don't understand why it's just one, but uh, you can go to Pennsylvania and uh, still be a part of the World Series this year if you are not going to be boycotted. Boycotted. So, that's a good thing, I guess, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, now we're up to 99. I'm like, you know, we, we talked about this before. I mean, at what point does Scott Long and Chris Cosenza get a World Series bracelet? Yeah. 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 It's like,
2: you know, like they, they, when they, you know, posthumously they'll give things away or the Veterans Committee will put you in the hall and you know, we've been around poker long enough now, I think they should just give us one of uh, honorary bracelets.
0: I mean, pretty soon they're going to have a $100 buy-in, 47-game mix, and that's going to be where I get my bracelet. That, that's our jam right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> half online,
0: half in person.
2: <laughs> oh, man. It is it is remarkable how many bracelets are available now. But the, I still don't understand... I can't wrap my head around the fact that, like, you have to be in these states to play in these bracelet events. And it's, I mean, I understand it's like, well, Chris, think about it. You have to be in Nevada to play in the actual World Series. You have to be in that building if you want to play in that series. And I guess that's right. But we're all agreeing that that's where we have to go, whereas you can just wake up if you live in New Jersey and roll out of bed and play for an Just It just seems weird that those are bracelet events when they're online. It just seems odd.
0: Or Wake up in New York, get in your car, and drive across the bridge and park in the Whole Foods parking lot. Yeah, exactly. It's just across so weird. That's
2: <laughs> exactly right, though. <laughs> Still can't be that guy with the bracelet.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. Um, yeah, you know. But hey, you know. You, I don't want us to sound any more like the two guys in the. Um, uh, balcony of the puppets any more than we always do. So, I mean, times, they are changing, right? Um, you know, Survivor's a complete mess last night, and I'm watching that last night. You gave up on it, right? So, no,
2: no, I didn't give up on it. I just wanted to watch it today because we had some other stuff to watch. We're, we're, our, we're taking our fifth time through the Game of Thrones, so we... Uh, <laughs> fifth time through! <laughs> this is the fifth time we're watching the whole freaking series, but uh, it's because there's nothing good on TV anymore, so we're just like, eh, let's just watch that. But, um, no, don't spoil it for me. I, I'm going to find out today yeah. exactly what's going on.
0: Well, and I won't spoil it for you, but I, but I might make a post today, so stay clear of my Facebook page. Oh, but, but I did uh, – I, I went to bed angry at one of the twists and I woke up this morning thinking that I overreacted, which is always a good thing that, uh, you know, at my age I overreacted everything. So take a night to think of it. But there are some poker analogies. So, you know, maybe, maybe after you watch, if you want to, we can work this into the next week's show. And um, All right. And see how um, a thin uh, lobster bisque without a lobster in it, uh, <laughs> my analogy to poker and Survivor this year. <laughs> I was going to compare you to Clint
2: Eastwood in Gran Torino, and then I said, yeah, I can't compare Scott Long to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Maybe in Cry Mango because I heard he's pretty pathetic in that, but definitely not Gran Torino.
0: See, all kinds of stuff new to watch, and you're watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, so, I know. Well, just I've, tell me you're going to skip the last season, because like, yeah, you can't I'm thinking about the last it. I'm thinking just, about it. I know. I mean, I'll get my own drag in the. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Entertainment, <laughs> the new owner of Poker Stars, has reached an agreement with the Commonwealth of Kentucky, paying the state an additional $200 million on top of the $100 million already paid to settle a case where the online poker site was found in violation of the state's gaming laws. With interest, the amount owned to the state had increased to $1.6 billion. And Flutter had been dealt several legal losses in trying to get the decision reversed.
2: This story is just remarkable to me. I I just can't get over the amount of money that had been used to settle this case, or that the case even happened in the first place.
0: Just insane. Yeah, um, you know, go back to the analogy of the the parlay guy, right? Now, granted, that was seven hundred and thirty or whatever to one thirty. This is one point six billion to three hundred million, but pretty much the same idea, right? Yeah. You know, hey, hey, I need to save. You know, I'm not going to get out of this. I've been trying hard. I'm not going to get out of it. Uh, What's it going to take for this to go away? Uh, 300 million. Okay, here you go. Rip it off. Thank you. And I'm always astounded
2: too when I see settlements like this and stuff that these companies have this kind of money just in a fund somewhere. That they haven't paid to themselves as owners or whatever that they're using for operations. and
0: Well, sometimes this is insurance claims, too. So I don't know if that's the case here. Probably not the case here with the line of business they're in. But, right. uh, but often when this stuff happens, it's uh, just an insurance claim. So now, now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost them anything because now their rates are going to go up or it gets harder for them to get insurance when the lapses. So there is a peril to it. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's not like they have a a vault in the Montgomery Burns office that they have to... <laughs> to
2: <laughs> no, but I mean,
0: it's still... Even yeah. that, like,
2: if you pass it down the line, then you're like, how do these insurance companies stay afloat when they have to pay out billion-dollar settlements? You know, it's like, okay, I understand. They make a lot of money with, you know... But still, you know, sometimes when you think about it, I mean, uh, during... Over the last 20 years or so, I mean, my wife totaled, like, a couple of cars, or three cars, and I thought, wow, you know... They're never going to get that money back from me, no matter how many years I pay that insurance. You know, pay twelve hundred a year for forty years. You know, that's that's still not going to get them forty thousand. They, they 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 paid for three of my cars. You know what I mean? It's
0: yeah, I, crazy. No, it's a good point because I would say I, I've had one wreck in my entire life, and I thought the same thing at that time. And that was when I was twenty something, and I'm like, when I saw the total that they um, <laughs> they had to pay out, I'm yeah. like, all right, I'm winning the insurance game for the rest of my life. I don't know if I did it or not, but but that's that's one accident 25 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. You know other people have more, like your crazy wife that just hits everything, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, she thinks it's bumper cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, though, I'm like, uh, you know, I've always wanted that, too, but obviously there there is a strong um, bottom line to, to the insurance market. But uh, as we've seen, as the world gets crazier and crazier and hurricanes hitting left and right and earthquakes and stuff like that, the the uh, those companies are not as solvent as we think they are. That that stuff can add up. So Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But for right now it looks like uh, things are fine. And can we also talk about Commonwealth? I hate this. I know. I, mean, I know. it's a traditional thing. Sorry to live in Kentucky or Virginia or any of the other Commonwealths but just it's, it's a state. Right. Hey, your state. It's called a state.
2: Yep. I mean and it's always too when you when you watch the news, they're always saying the great state of uh, well, What are you saying? Other states aren't great, you know. Just, just say, and don't
0: even say the state of. Just say Kentucky. Well, and here's the thing: if you're going to call yourself the Commonwealth, you just got three hundred million dollars. Yeah. You better spread that wealth commonly to everyone (laughs) in in Kentucky, or you can't call yourself
2: Commonwealth anymore. That's just. Yeah, I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. The commoners would love some of that
0: money. Right? (laughs) Jeez. All right. Let's move on. All right. As alluded to last week, British Casino owner Rob Young is pledging $1.2 million to fund a poker lobbying group for the next five years. Young, who said he doesn't necessarily need to be part of the group or a leader of it, said developments in the poker world over the past few years have led him to make the pledge. He hopes the worldwide group will lobby regulators and operators, but also promote the game of poker.
2: Well, he answered my question there, right, that last sentence, the worldwide group. So, I mean, some of that money could get funneled into American politics.
0: Uh, maybe but uh if you if, you know the uh, the poker news article which is the one i saw <clears throat> there might be in other interviews that that he's done um and he's he's a a, a tweeter so you know go read his tweets and uh, get the sense of it uh, obviously i mean he's british so i mean he's not uh 100% uh caring about uh us uh damn yankees here right so um um and and really if you kind of look at a lot of the things they list a lot of them are european um and um it, as much as we are really upset here in the state that there's you know only a handful of states here where we can play online poker um the the regulation of stuff overseas is is fairly ridiculous as well too i mean obviously there's lots of countries where you can play but then there's lots of countries that are really cracking down um, or shutting uh, these operators out of their borders, or making it harder for their players to play. Um, so it is—it's uh, uh, almost as bad, if not worse, in other nations. So I can see why he—he's he, taking a global view to this. Now, of course, when you take a global view to it, 1.2 million dollars yeah. is—you know—like the uh, coins that we find in our couch, right. <laughs> trying to go to Taco Bell for the fourth meal. Um, so I don't know really how far that's going to go but again that's seed money right so
2: that's what hope you know, for that's like the first domino yeah. in many
0: yeah. yeah I think I could be wrong I, maybe I'm making this up but I thought I read this that you know you know, obviously hoping to get um, you know a lot of volunteers to board together that will be uh, focused on not only um, achieving his goals for it but also obviously making it sustainable after five years which would mean raising funds and getting other investors to right. make it happen so you know again if you get a bunch of people together and uh let's let's, let's be honest there's a ton of money in gambling <laughs> worldwide right so yeah, yeah. uh it is possible to get enough of this together um it, well, my concern though is it's like uh he said he wanted to lobby both regulators and operators so um in a sense that's essentially saying hey we want operators to be better right so we want to tell them to be better at the same time, he's hoping that operators and he says operators have talked to him about getting involved in the group. So if they get involved, can you also lobby them, right? Right. So I mean, really, I think where a lot of this money came and the previous things was from the the operators and letting them fund it, um, so you can lobby the government. Um, if you do that, though, I mean, one thing you solve one problem, but then you create another problem, right? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I guess you just got to decide which, which is the uh, um, the most important element to go at. So, wish them luck. Absolutely do. Yeah, fingers crossed. Right, Sir so Clive Sinclair, a British invest- inventor responsible for the pocket calculator and a gaming computer that rivaled the Commodore 64, has died. The multi millionaire also appeared in the first three seasons of the first whole cam poker show, Late Night Poker in his native Britain. And I got to say, until this article, uh, I, I don't remember Clive Sinclair, no offense to our, our listeners in uh, the UK, uh, but uh, it's been a while since I've heard the, t- the late-night poker and Jesse May. And I was very happy to read that, although, yeah. obviously, it's sad reason uh yeah. so. um, Just hilarious. I loved him. Yeah, no, and I,
2: I think we brought this up earlier because we were talking about the first Holcam. Uh, I think uh, our good friend Joe... Uh, on uh any of fans on Facebook, he had brought up you know some trivia and stuff to have fun with uh just to get people talking and stuff and that was one of the first things he had put on his little trivia thing was you know where was which which show had the first whole cam, and I remembered that it was uh, late night poker from like way back even before 2000s yeah. or whatever so um interesting too i i you know it's so weird the pocket calculator i mean you think about how long ago that was you know in the commodore sixty four rival. so that means you know, when we were just kids, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Just crazy how um he's a multi millionaire from that too, you know, crazy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a little um uh blast from the past because uh you know, I'm up here in Ohio and the next two nights I'm going to uh stay with my uh my best friend growing up. And uh he had a Commodore sixty four, I had a Commodore Vic twenty. Oh yeah, that's right, the Vic twenty. So you know whose house we hung out at most. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
2: And then they had the 128, I think, after the 64, for a
0: little while, and then after that, I lost track. of What Commodore did? Yeah, the 64 was way better than the Victor. The big 20 I was playing draw poker on, and you put the little tape in the cassette player, yeah. let it blow. Yeah. And then I go over to Eric's house, and then when he has the 64. We're playing Goonies with all these great graphics and stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like this is not fair.
2: Did I ever tell the story of the Commodore 64 on the show? I can't remember with my mom. So you remember the service mer- service merchandise stores back in the day? Yes, absolutely, right? we had a buyer's thing, and you had to wait for it to come down the conveyor belt. Come down the conveyor belt, exactly. So we, well, my mom promised to get me the Commodore sixty four, and it was like a it was a present, but she just hadn't gotten it yet. It was like for a birthday or something, and so we go to the the service merchandise, and uh, we're waiting for it. And I don't know if you remember this, but the Commodore sixty four was like a hundred bucks, but the hard drive was like three hundred. Mm -hmm. and so we're sitting there and my my mom pays for the Commodore 64 and then we're waiting for it to come down the conveyor belt and here comes the hard drive and not the 64 and being the child that I am, I'm so stupid I'm (laughs) saying to my mom, that's not the 64 that's not the 64, that's the hard drive and my mom's like, shut up and I'm like, no, it's not the 64 (laughs) that's right so, here I am. I've got my mom willing to steal this thing for $200 less than it costs or whatever. And I'm the one thinking, "No, I need my 64 so I can type in coding and play these awesome graphics," but not realizing I need the hard drive to be able to play those games. And I'm going to And she would have bought me the 64 after that. But I opened my big mouth and I had to lose out on getting the hard drive for another like 6 months or a year or something with a Christmas to get the hard drive. So, but, yeah, that conveyor belt, it's all these blasts from the past. Don't, some people don't even have no idea what we're talking about. But
0: Yeah, a, a couple of things I was thinking of while you were telling that story. One, if you were younger than 46, you were just amazed. I'm what, like, what conveyor belt are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. You buy stuff and it drops it off on your front porch. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. And, and then, secondly, our fans are like, whoa, this is the Chris Casenza crime family here. <laughs> G. Fashion hey. cars, mom stealing hard drives. <laughs> My last name's Casenza. What do you think happened? Nobody want to know what dad is doing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't want to know.
0: <laughs> you don't want to know.
2: Oh, man. The good old conveyor about man. I yeah. missed the service. Yeah. Oh, I have a blast from the past.
0: Here's this week's update on poker room reopenings. In Pennsylvania, Wind Creek, Bethlehem will open, reopen a temporary poker room October 1st. And in Las Vegas, the Flamingo and Bally's uh, will close their poker rooms temporarily from September 26th to November 26th ostensibly, to help staff the World Series of Poker. That gets us now to 270 reopened poker rooms, not counting the two that will close for two months. Right. We go to anti com slash reopened for all those details. So a couple of things before we move on this. One, the Wind Creek uh, will be a temporary room. They have pledged that they're going to build a new permanent room next year, so that's an encouraging um, development that they're not just going to wait for the, the new room. Well, one, they're building a new room, which is encouraging. And two, they're not going to just wait until that gets done. They're going to Get you back in the poker game if you were in that part of Pennsylvania. Right. <laughs> it's good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so Flamingo and Bally's, this has been a long uh, rumor for a week or two, at least now, that they were going to close these rooms. Um, and they didn't say the staff of World Series Poker, but it's got to be that, right? I mean, those dates just coincide yeah. Oh, quickly. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense, too. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, you're know, trying everything you can to get enough dealers, and you you operate three open poker rooms in the city. That have dealers (laughs) (laughs) there we go i mean where are we gonna find the dealers Hmm, where will we find the dealers so
2: yeah i'm sure they're hoping to find the dealers though while having to close down the rooms that make them a decent amount of money in the strip but
0: yeah. yeah yeah not not the perfect scenario i mean they've never as far as i know they've never done this before to to be able to staff but it's a different world now so um at least they have that option you know i mean um yeah other other rooms or other series don't have that option. So, and uh, as of now, they're leaving the Caesar's Palace room open, which is the biggest of the three. Yeah, well, this
2: this tells you too that they, which which makes more money, the World Series or poker rooms? Well, I think we know the World Series makes more money because they're not they're not going to shut down two poker rooms to help fund something that doesn't make money. Tournaments make money when you do it at this this grand level or scheme or whatever. So,
0: well, and there's cash games over
2: there. As yeah, well, exactly. So
0: um, yeah so I mean really all you're losing here I mean I, no offense to the Flamingo or Valley's um, rooms but um, I mean they're mostly tourist places to, to get the, the dad who's uh, after mom's gone to bed to come down and play a little poker one two and you know lose 500 bucks um, so you know it's not like a huge loss um, it's a loss of convenience if you're a tourist that you know you want to go downstairs and play poker and now you're going to have to go across the street but yeah. but it's literally, it's literally across the street from both of these rooms and Caesars so you know, yeah. So, still plenty of other poker rooms. So, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very creative solution that has a very limited downsides, in my opinion. Right, definitely
2: calculated. They looked at the numbers and crunched them and said, "Yeah, it's definitely worth it to do this." So, okay. Any updates? Pates, the Up Fans Free Online Tournament Series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly/paips. Games run to 6th, six, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines of the main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars let you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Anti-Up Magazine, Anti-Up Poker Cast, or Anti-Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcastantiupmagazine.com or post in the Anti-Up Fans group on Facebook. So we have a new O'Malley's move today. Just on a quick note, too, O'Malley says the river, what he means the flop in this first part. So... Yeah. Yeah, am
0: like, wait a minute, did I miss something? <laughs>
2: yeah, don't, don't, don't throw, it, uh, th- throw anything off there or whatever. I mean, it's it's clearly the flop. So, But uh, always we, good when we have a new one. It's tough, though, because uh, we never make a mistake like that. So but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> No, I know. And it's funny, too, because uh, I was trying to help you out this week. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the O'Malley's move form. I'll write it up for the – and then you were writing it up. while at the same time I was writing it up, but I'm trying to send you a note. I threw the file. I'm like, Scott, I'm trying to do this for you. And you weren't reading it. So I'm like, all right, he's already doing it. So I just stopped. But uh, anyway, always love when we have a brand new O'Malley's move. Brand new is redundant. So here it comes.
1: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $1, $2, no-limit hold'em home game. This game is ridiculously deep-stacked, as the buy-in ranges from 100 to 1000 Most players buy in for the max, but the action is usually relatively loose pre-flop, and then can get pretty jumpy after the flop. The game is six-handed. The blinds post, the under-the-gun calls, and we're in the MP with 850, down 150, and the 10 of spades, 10 of clubs. This is a great starting hand six-handed. The table standard raise is 4x, but we account for the limper. We make it $10 to go. The cutoff calls. This player is a speculative one pre-flop, but plays aggressive most of the time after the flop. He bought in for 1000 and currently sits with 1150. He's up 150. The small blind folds, the big blind calls, and the under the gun calls. There's roughly $40 in the pot, and the river is a fairly safe 9 of hearts, 9 of diamonds, 5 of spades. It's check to us. A check might be the best move here. There's no draws, really, and if we're up against the 9, we're pretty much dead in the water. I, however, decided to bet. I made it $30 to go, leaving me around 800 left. All players call. What is going on here? With 160 in the pot, the turn is the tray of clubs. The two players before me once again check. I like a check for pot control here. The cutoff leads out for 100, leaving him around 1000 behind. The big blind and under the gun both fold. This feels like an in-position player trying to steal the pot. Maybe he has us on ace-king or something. We make the call. With $360 in the pot, the river is the four of spades. I like more pot control. We check. Our opponent thinks briefly before betting $300. What's the move?
0: It's time at the poker training.com. Hand the weeks in your hands or situations. a podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you want something from us in the past year, get a free membership to Advanced Poker training. World's number one poker training site. And uh, last week we um, mentioned that we have two hands from a longtime listener, Michael Paul. This is the second one. And uh, so to remind you, he is in a a two, I believe it's a two, three, no limit uh, casino cash game. Uh, uh, Buy in is 100 to 400. Uh, Max drop is seven bucks a hand, if that means anything to you. And uh, so this hand is from that same game. Uh, He's bought in for another 300. And have been fairly card dead for the past two hours since the last hand, but you managed to win a couple small pots and build up to 450. Watch the table is different than before, you don't have any, any history with any of these players either. The eventual villain starts the hand with about 550, so obviously, this is covered by 100, and we are in the small blank. Okay, uh, uh, middle position player raises the 15. Uh, the eventual villain who is in the hijack uh calls button folds. And so there's three callers to us already, and again, we're in the small blind with the King of Clubs, Queen of Clubs. Okay, I'm just going to call. Uh, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this could be a
2: hand where you're going to raise and, you know, maybe take it or something. But you're in the small blind. Now, you have a nice little suited King-Queen, a little marriage, but these are also trap hands. If somebody in middle position's raising, they could easily have something like Ace-King or Ace-Queen. You don't always have to be in under the gun to have that hand. So, it's a trap hand, you want to be careful with it, and I don't feel like raising because I have two other people in this hand, and we're going to be out of position to both of them no matter what happens if they want to call. If you have a raiser and a caller, you could try to squeeze one of them out, but for the most part, you know you're probably going to get at least one more caller, um, or re and just wasting money, because you can't, you can't fight back with a king-queen in the small blind when someone makes it four bets. So, to me, I, I'm just going to call and uh, and tread lightly, um, you know, maybe a little trickery here and there if I can, but for the most part, King-Queen is, is a good hand, but it's not a great hand, and your position's the worst possible, so I'm just going to be careful with this hand. We always talk about this on the show, too, when you want to make sure you hit the flop hard when you're going to mm-hmm. play a hand out of position, you know, you want to make sure you really do get that dream flop or close to it to play it pretty significantly later on, so... I'm going to be careful. I'm going to call, though.
0: Yeah, uh, again, this is a cash game, not a tournament. So, uh, no shame in folding here. You're in the worst position. You've got a trap hand, as, as my partner mentioned. So, if you want to fold here, uh, again, no, absolutely no shame um uh raising here i would only advocate raising here if you know your players he's already mentioned he has nothing on any of these players so yeah uh, by raising now you're putting yourself in a really bad spot because you're uh, in the worst position with a vulnerable hand um and you have no basis of knowledge to really outplay your your opponents uh other than general poker theory so that's not a situation I want to get into a cash game. So uh, folding is fine. Raising, I think, is very problematic here. Uh, the call is interesting now because it kind of depends on the flow of the game here. Um, again, I, as you mentioned and I always mentioned, uh, you've got to follow through on what you want here. Um, I don't want to hit a king or queen with his hand. I want to hit a straight or flush draw or hopefully straight or flush. <laughs> yeah. Um, as well as those miracle hands, like full houses and quads and stuff, right? But uh, th- that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a king, I'm not looking for a queen. I'm uh, Not even terribly excited about a king-queen either, um, though I'm not going to uh, necessarily fold for that. So, But that's what I'm looking for, I'm going to call. Um, you know, there there is obviously some metagame strategy in, in cash games, where if you always fold your small blinds, people know that, and you get picked on. So the, every once in a while, you have to pick one to to get involved so they know they know you're not going to fold, and, and this is a an interesting one to to do that. So um, I, I think I'm going to call here, um, but but I'm going to be very careful on what I'm looking for. So. Yeah, yep. All right. Um, our hero says you, we just call because we we don't really want to play out of position to a raise, and we'd have to raise the seventy dollars or more since there's already forty five dollars out there. Uh, we call, and one other person calls as well too. I'm assuming that's the villain in the hand. <laughs> Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. One other person calls. I must be the big blind. Okay. So we're five-handed now. pot is $75 after the drop, and the flop comes out, and our hero says, it's a glorious queen of hearts, queen of spades, six of clubs. Uh, Again, it's five-handed, and we are first to act.
2: Okay, so one thing I want to make sure I got clear. So we're the small blind, and when you said middle position raised, you said there was
0: one call before it got to us. So that'd be four-handed then, right? Is small blind, big blind called? Uh, I'm going to guess the big blind came along. He didn't say that, but since there's five, that's the only other player to act after us. Right, right? so it'd be small blind, big blind, but then middle position and one caller is four people. Exactly. Yep. Three callers are... Hmm.
2: Not that it matters, because you know they're all going to fold. There must be another person
0: involved here, because he said there are three callers before it got to us, even though he only mentioned the Razor. one. so there must have been two callers
2: after the Razor, because he was in middle position. Okay. Um... Well, I'm clearly checking. I mean, it's one thing if, if you have an aggressive game and you know somebody's, you know, they're, you know, they're like really proud and they, they're like, hey, you know what, you want to bet into me, I'm going to raise you, uh, and then you might bet out. Um, you know, and it's, if it's one of those super system old school things where, you know, it's just you and the under the gun raiser and he's supposed to have a hand there so you bet into him when you flop something big, make him think, well, I've got aces, I'm going to come over the top kind of stuff. But in this case, with all these people, I I love a check because you feel like someone's going to try to represent that queen or someone's going to think there's no queen out and they're going to bet. Now, it could be uh, everyone's going to be scared of the two queens and it's going to check around, but I don't think you lose a street of value. I think you wake up in the small blind and and bet on the turn then, and then someone's going to think you're trying to steal it and you're going to get some money out of them. So I like a check here and see what happens.
0: Well, the problem with betting here is that then people wonder what you're doing, right? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, they're not going to put you on a queen necessarily. I mean, I, I wouldn't even come out of betting here, particularly since there's no flush draws or straight draws possible uh, to come. So it's pretty well protected. So in that sense, since it, it's against type, that might be a play. So um, – the problem with checking, I think, is, and I think that's probably what we're going to end up doing, and, and what most people would do anyhow, is if it does check around, like you mentioned, um, then we got to bet out on the turn, and then that screams that we have a queen, right? Or the on it. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, that's that's a really powerful play. Take take yourself out of this hand, and you're in the small blind with something else, and let's say it's ten, ten, six. And it checks around, and you've got nothing. You've got Jack Four or something, right? Mm-hmm. Now you, you need to bet that turn because now, now people are going to think you have that ten, right? And they're all going to fold, and you're going to take it down. So that it works to our detriment here because we actually have the queen now, we want some value for it, right? So that's what we got to try to figure out here. Uh, there was a pre-flop Um, you know. Depending again, we don't have any history on. I wish we knew. I mean, if we knew he was a solid 100% c-bet no matter what um that'd be great i think um i am a little worried about it checking around here but uh, four players in the hand i gotta think somebody's gonna take a stab at this um and again if we bet now it's gonna look really weird so um
2: the other thing I too
0: I'll, I'll say about the
2: turn is that the turn doesn't
0: necessarily have to mean you have a queen it could be
2: like a nine comes and you've hit your nine with you know you had eight nine or ten nine or ten sure. comes. so there's a chance that you could represent what comes in a turn if it's under the queen and then the person who has kings now says oh you know, who raised pre-flop, hey, you know what? I don't. You hit that. I'm better than that. I don't think you have the queen. So there are a lot. If, otherwise, if, if people just bet the way we thought they were going to bet, we would never lose. So I would think in this case that there are two reasons why you could bet the turn and not have the queen. So you're stealing it or you hit the turn. So in this case, I don't mind the check. And then if we lose a street of value, I really don't think you do. I think when you bet the turn, someone might think you're stealing it or you might hit an undercard. So you know, if an ace or something comes, that's also golden too, because then the guy who you know raised pre flop might have ace king and now he's hit his ace or his king and didn't think you had a queen. Now he bets it and you can call. And so there are all these scenarios that can still play out by checking. So I think we can to check. Not- if he has aces, then it's not golden. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's then it's not golden. exactly.
0: Uh, the other thing I like about checking out, you know, I generally like checking out a small blind anyhow because um there's so much in the hand to develop, right? We've got four other players um you know part of us thinks it could check around part of us think it might be a, a pre-flop razor bending and everybody else getting out of the way who knows but we don't know right so by checking here let's let everybody else kind of um play this hand out and then we can make a decision at that point it could get really interesting you know it could be the the initial razor bets and then somebody else raises him before it gets to us right and then, you know, now that not necessarily a great thing because it could be ace queen or something else that has his beat, but that would be an interesting development. So uh, let's just kind of see how this plays out. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Here here says uh, we check. Uh, we to hope and hope that the original razor or somebody else takes a stab at the pot. Unfortunately, it checks around. Dope. Yeah. All right, well, this is kind of what I was talking about. So now now our scenario is do we bet out? And actually, you know, to kind of counteract that thing I mentioned before is I think maybe we take another check here because no one has a queen. Uh, depending on what the turn is, um, you're not going to get action from them anyhow, right? So you might as well check and, and hope uh, they can catch up smaller if, if that's the case. So Yeah,
2: it's funny. We were talking about betting the turn because we had to, and now all of a sudden it's like, no, let's check again and hope somebody – doesn't believe we have the queen. I mean, Who's another street of value? It's like it, it's rocking a hard place.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. The turn is the tray of clubs. So our board now is the queen of hearts, queen of spades, six of clubs, tray of clubs. So flush draw and some weak straight draws now on board. Um, and we are first act.
2: Uh you know we have the clubs, so it's not like we have to worry about being drawn out here. I mean, unless somebody has the ace of clubs, you know, suited. It's it's a pretty good hand for us. Yeah, much more. than we. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, you really need to know the players if you think that someone's going to think you're trying to steal it. You're hoping somebody had Jack of clubs so that they could come along. But, I don't know. Maybe we do check and have that original original razor say, all right, maybe somebody doesn't have a queen. You know, now it's safe to bet. But you're running the serious risk of it chucking around again because now it's... It's, you know, everyone's yeah. worried.
0: So you do, but again, now that we have the club protection, there's fewer cards that are going to come that we're worried about. I'm like, it's really unlikely there's a 4 or 5 out there, so the straight doesn't um, really bother me. Um, and again, if it's like an ace or a king, it's generally a good thing, unless, of course, we're up against aces or kings, but it's not going to check around if people have aces. If you have aces or kings, you're betting this this turn, right? Yeah. So. So we'll know we'll know right away whether that's the case. So I don't think we're really um, um, giving up too much value. And, and uh, you know, now we're kind of hoping that something comes on the river that does help someone, you know, that ace or king for the ace king are out there. Um, and if it happens to come clubs, you know, obviously there's one club that beats us, but, um, you know, you can't be scared of that. So, you know, I, I think I'm fine wrapping the table here again and hope somebody else decides to come alive. All right, let's let's check. All right, uh, all right. So our heroes is now we have tr- uh, trips with a flush draw in addition to the full house draw, and of course the flush could be dead to a flop boat or pocket trays. But if that happens, it happens. We check again, and it checks to the villain, who now wakes up and bets fifty dollars. Um, let's see. Uh, all right, so it's on us next. Now I'll just call. Yeah, now we got somebody putting money in, so let's disguise now. So here's the thing. Okay, I, I kind of agree with you, but now what do we do on the river? Now the river, do you, you bet into him, or do you check hoping that he's going to take another stab? Because the $50 really probably is a probing bet here. It could be a probing bet. It could be something, right? So you could be just hoping that he uh, uh, takes down the pot because no one has anything. I, I tend to to bet the river because – um no matter what
2: comes it could look like you're representing the queen when you don't have it and that could that thought could be in their head because they might think did you really check two streets and not have that queen when you wanted your value and protected against the clubs they're not putting you on clubs so i like to bet out on the river because if if you check yeah he he could bluff at it he could have a worse queen than you and get and still bet but Basically, I I think that you're gonna want to get your value and not run the risk of him checking behind. You've got three queens. You maybe end up getting a flush on the river. Um, that's a scary thought too. If you make your flush now, not scary, but now it looks like okay. Now you whoever this person is, they can be beat by multiple hands. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now you, you mean,
0: scare them. Up. You don't. You may not want to improve here. Then you.
2: Yeah. And then you. If you do improve, then you might check. But if it's a blank then I think I'm betting out because it's like, okay, the only hand that's beating my pocket kings or whatever this guy might have is a queen, and why wouldn't he have bet the turn when it was wet there? and He saw a check around when it got to him, so I don't think he has a queen. Boom, 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 he calls you. So I like betting out on the river, but um, I'm going to call here for now.
0: And you can make a pretty decent-sized value bet on the river too that if you get called, you're going to get value. Again, remember the situation we're in now. I mean... You know, obviously, you want to get the most value can out of trips, but in the small blind is very difficult. I think Then in, in other in other spots around the table. So you got to take what you can get, right? So, not every time that you flop trips, you're going to be able to find a way to truly maximize value um, in the way that you want to, but still, absolutely maximize value. So, yeah, I'm think I'm calling here and then uh, putting on out a uh, decent size, uh, I mean a properly sized value bed on the river and. and See what happens. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is, there is. We didn't really discuss this, but there is the option of raising, and then hoping this person has a massive hand, like like uh, you know, ace ace king king, or even like like a, a a queen, like a queen jack. Because, you know, you even have the flush as a backup if you're wrong. If somebody has, you know, like ace queen and they have you beat, you still have that flush as as an option on the river that you could save you. So there is that thought process, but I don't see any reason to do that. You know, plus yeah, if you they, just call, you got chances of others calling too still. For exactly. Yeah, I right. want
0: to build some money there. You don't know what else is going to happen. I mean, maybe else somebody's going to check, raise this guy too. So there, there's that consideration. Although I guess if that's the case and you raise, maybe they'll raise you. So, but then now I'm really worried if, if I'm raising and somebody raises me, cause there are lots of hands I have to beat here. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those, the flush isn't going to save us with. So, um, the other thing too is we raise here, assuming nobody else has anything, and this guy was just trying to steal it. Then he's gone right now, right? Whereas if you call and then you put out that that mild value bet on the river, you know he might decide to look you up. So you might pick up another hundred bucks out of this guy um, versus check raising. So always the dilemma here. But uh, I, I think I'm going to call here and, and put that value bet up.
2: Scary thought. I haven't had the scary thought till just now. Is that because this person wasn't the original raiser? If he right. has six six and he was set mining, and he's just slowly, you know, what oh, I mean? Yeah. that's scary too. He's hoping someone has a queen, and he's got the boat. So there's there are some hands like you said when you said there are a lot of hands that beat us. I'm thinking no, they're not, and I'm like, wait, well, yes, there are. So six oh. six is definitely one of those hands. So six six, can, tray.
0: Yeah, uh, a you better know, queen, ace queen, uh, and then we don't know what comes. Any any other card on the river could be uh, a boat for someone too. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we may not be beat now, but the, there's a little bit more danger in that river than we're giving ourselves uh, credit for. So, we'll see what happens. Um, all right. Now I lost my place in there. To, well, I'll, I'll fill the airtime. So, a uh, rabbi, a priest,
2: and a – oh, no. I'm sorry. That was a, <laughs>
0: that
2: was from <laughs> that was earlier
0: right. <laughs> Okay. Uh, our hero pauses for a moment just to make sure it's not an instant call, but long enough to really Hollywood. And then you call – Everybody else falls. Pot's now 175, and we have 385 left. The river is the gin card. It's the queen of diamonds. So our final oh. card is queen of spades, six of clubs, tray of clubs, queen of diamonds. Who needs no stinking flush? <laughs> and uh, we are first to
2: act. See, now, this is when you check.
0: Yeah, this is when we want that sixes the six out there, right?
2: Yeah. We, or we want the guy to have the aces or the kings, because he's never okay. going to put you on the case queen. He's going to think, okay, I got queens full of aces. Even if he has a pair, I got him beat, no matter what it is. So this is when you check, and the guy's like, ha ha ha, your flush didn't matter, and he'll value bet, and then you raise him. So I, I, if you bet out here, he, he better have no matter what. I mean, if you have, if if you're beat. Um, as, the, as the other guy, and we bet out, He he's going to think to himself, okay, if I have ace-ace, I, I still have to call here. If you check, and he has ace-ace, he's, he's going to bet out. So, I think no matter what you do here, I mean, you could try betting out, but I, I think this guy is going to bet if you check, because he just doesn't put you on quads. And we did the whole Hollywood thing, which is interesting. I... I we didn't really talk about that before, but I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like a check is definitely in order here because, like I said, if you if you check and he checks behind, I, I don't think that he was going to call a bet if you bet out. So why not check and let him either bluff at it or think his pocket aces or pocket kings are good? So I think you have to check no matter what. Now believe it or not, which is weird. If it was a tournament, oh no, you wouldn't be screwed because you're not last to act. Okay, All right. So yeah, I would I would check.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think, Jackie. I'm trying to think of a scenario here where we bet out. I mean, again, uh, no one ever puts you on quads, right? Um, and there is some human psychology involved where if you bet out here, the guy looks at and will say quads, I can't be in call just because he wants to see it for his own mental, you know, uh, yeah. right? He's like, okay, you do have quads already fine here, take money, right? So yeah. there is that argument, I guess. Um, but the fact that he, he took that stab um, and now it comes out, the, the the danger is that if he doesn't have anything, I mean, now the board's super dangerous and if I'm him, I'm just taking behind and hoping that whatever I have is better than my junk, is better than your junk, right? Um, versus if we bet out here, the problem is betting out here now, it's different than before uh, because now the hand got, the board just got so much more dangerous, so He's going to have to assume you're bluffing here to call or have one of those big hands, and I don't think he does. So I think i got to check here and just hope that he's going to throw something in.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping what happens is this guy has something like 8-8, eight, eight, and he was set mining, and went way the way this all came down, checked on the flop, turn, everyone checks again, he's like, well, my 8s are better than the 6 and the 3, and yep. if this guy's had a queen, they would have bet already, so I'm going to bet with my 8, and now the river... Is a queen. He's thinking, well, I've got the best full house. now, nah, unless this guy has a queen. I don't think he has a queen, because why would he check quads to me? And then he bets, and then you raise. So I still like the check bet and hope he has, like, pocket eights.
0: Yeah, I think that's the way to go. So All right. Here it says, I, uh, says I figure uh, you check the flop and the turn, so you might as well check the river and see what the villain does. He doesn't disappoint and bets 155. Nice. Yeah, so now you just
2: min-raise. I mean, because you, if you shove, he's going to know you have the queen. But min raise might make him think, "All right, whatever," because you, you can't just call. So, the minimum amount to raise, I think, to get him to try to call. you. Yeah, us
0: say if we min raise at least a seventy-five behind, if that matters at all, which yeah. it might. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: I think any bet you make here, unless he has if he has aces or kings, then he's going to raise you again, right? So. Or if he has kings, maybe he's not. Gonna I think raise no matter raise, what you
2: do, he's calling. He's not raising. Yeah,
0: there's no way. So yeah, so at that point, I guess that's what I'm saying is, what, do we do we limit ourselves to the min raise, or do we just throw the extra seventy five on top of that and and get it all in at that point? Because either he he has a hand that he's going to call us, or he's going to fold. He's going to fold the min raise anyhow if he thinks we have the queen or he has nothing. Right, so. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think I'm just going to get walled in here. Um, I don't think I'm going to scare him away any for that extra seventy five dollars. And if he does have a decent hand, then that's seventy five more bucks I get from him. I think. But uh,
2: if if this guy shoves and then we call and it's a foul deck and there's five queens, I'm going to be really mad because <laughs> I can't imagine this guy calling any bet we make af- atop of his one fifty or whatever. So uh, even if he had aces or kings, well, like, let's see. The pot was three
0: eighty five, so his one fifty five bet is like half the... a little less than half the pot. So, I mean, that it, it is probably an, an Aces or Kings uh, hand. And I don't know whether the rest of the action really supports that anymore. So, I don't know. He uh, wasn't the
2: original Razor, though. So, I can't no, imagine but, this guy as Aces or Kings. Yep. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. it doesn't really support that. So. Alright. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna min-raise. You can shove.
0: It could, be, it could be jacks or tens or something like that, though, which is probably going to call because then he doesn't same way you know we didn't we didn't play this any differently than he did so he can't put us on aces or kings either right so if i'm sitting over jacks or tens or even nines or eights any of those hands right i still feel like i'm I'm, i've got the best hands so no I, i i will be absolutely floored
2: if we make any raise at all and the person calls Really? I would be absolutely floored if we raise and this guy calls. There is no other hand we can have that we do that with. There's no other hand. I, I And we oh, check raise fire. it. about oh, that? No way. There's no other hand that check raises there and, and plays it from a small it, blind.
0: Just someone with jacks or 10s. just. Uh, There's no
2: other hand. Plus, if you have to replay this whole hand in your head and try to get jacks or 10s, through that whole hand, the way it happened, or that we had something better than than six three or a pair bigger than sixes from the small blind and didn't wake up until now. I, I, if they don't think we have a queen at this point, I want this guy in my home game forever.
0: Really, I, I, I don't know. I mean, seventy five percent that we have a queen here, but that twenty five percent is pretty strong. When I've just put one hundred fifty five in, and now I, that pot's so big that I only have to put another. Two thirty in, so I don't know. I mean, I mean, because we would play the same way with Jacks, Tens, Nines, or Eights here. I think we called the preflop raise. We checked. No one bet. We checked again because you know we still don't have the still so Queens out there. Some guy <laughs> say stab bet for fifty bucks, and we pause.
1: Call.
2: Exactly, we pause. Call what? What hands in the small blind? Do I don't think in the small blind with that many callers that you're coming along with jacks or tens and then not betting out on that turn to protect against your jacks or tens. And then on the river, you check again when the
0: third, I don't know. I think there's lots of people that would like to check this down and hope their jacks or tens are good here. Now when I get into a a raising war,
2: it's, I, I don't I don't disagree that we could have that, but on the river, when we raise again, we're raising against somebody who clearly would have the queen. And would be strong enough to do that, considering where yeah, they were.
0: We're saying no one's going to give us credit for the queen, so we don't get. I mean, nobody gives anybody credit for quads. I'm sorry, they just don't. Not in a two three game. Oh so, man, I don't know. I, I think I think this could shape up as a battle of two pairs against each other. It's just a matter of who has the higher pair. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't think a lot of danger here in shoving for that extra seventy five. We were already we already agree that we need a min raise, obviously, right? because um, we do have the nuts, so we we have to we have to at least min raise. So that extra seventy five, I just don't think it changes anything. So if he's gonna call the one fifty five, he's gonna call the two thirty.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I disagree with with whether or not we should shove or not. There's just something mentally about knowing somebody went all in with three queens on the board and they've played it passively the whole way. And yeah. you know, whereas if you just you min-raise, maybe it looks like you're getting tricky. And this guy's like, oh, you think your six is good? I've got tens or eights or I don't know. So maybe you're thinking that it looks like it's jacks versus tens in this situation or something, because those two hands probably wouldn't have re-raised pre-flop and then played it the way we said. But I just got a feeling the small blind, playing it the passively way we've played it the whole way, and Hollywooding, which is the worst thing you can do uh, a street before, I just think if this guy calls our raise, I'm gonna be floored. I really am. So, all right, let's oh, see yeah. what happens. I'm dying to know. But
0: he, the, the question is just whether he'll call the two thirty versus the one. Yeah, no, I know. I
2: just can't believe it. I, I think he would. I think if he's if he's gonna call, he'd call it all. It's just there's something about going all in too mentally that makes someone think you might have a better hand than you do. But yeah. but yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't disagree. I think uh, if he's gonna call one fifty, he's gonna call two thirty. But it's just it's just the way you go all in. Maybe you just push it all in. I don't know. But even then, you're hollow if you push it
0: in weak. You know, you want it weak when you're strong, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know how yeah, you do it. I don't know how much hollywood can happen here that's actually going to affect. Maybe there's some. I don't know. But uh, Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, our hero does say all in. So now we'll, okay. I guess we'll see what happens here. All right. So the villain tanks for quite some time. He looks like he's going to call at least twice, but you aren't looking at him and you can't see all his movements. We stare at the board. Finally, he folds. But when he folds, you hear him say to his neighbor that he... Must have the queen. You then hear him say that he flopped a boat and had me right where he wanted me. Uh hero says, obviously I won the hand, but I'm curious about a couple things. One is, could I have gotten more value? If I lead out on the flop, aren't I just announcing that I have a queen? Uh, yeah, I could mention that. I'm horribly out of position. I limped in pre with five players. Seeing the flop isn't the assumption. Pretty much somebody has a queen. I think checking the flop was fine, and it was just unfortunate that nobody else made a stab. Checking a turn, I think, is the same thing. Sure, now somebody could decide to stab at the pot with nothing, just hoping everybody else thinks they have a queen. So maybe that's an option here. But I still checked and he bet 50 bucks, maybe a raise here. If he uh, really flopped the boat, then clearly he would have called or shoved, and if he's putting me on a queen. Uh, but I could also have any pair, two pair, if I'm not putting one on a flopped or turned boat. This is the street I'm curious about. The river plate itself is gave him to bet 155 into a pot of one second. No, I can't lose. I'm certainly going to raise. He just folded, but I still managed to get an extra 155 from him. So, any way to play it differently, that gets more value from him. If he doesn't have a flop boat, I think he folds to a raise on the turn. And that's the problem is that he. We we gave him credit for a possibility of a boat, right? Right. And obviously, that had us dead. I mean, we were dead to this one card, right? Yeah, one outer. So had we done anything else, or a king, been, you could hit a king. Test. But yeah, test. yeah, we would have been, uh, we would have, um, we've been put to a test, got it all in, and been miserable, knowing that we are down to that. Uh, I guess it's what
2: three outs now, right? right. So or, or a three, no, so a queen, three threes, and three kings. So semi. That's right. But yes. here, okay. here's the thing: the way to get more. Again, ma- okay, now this is that whole hindsight crab results oriented. But if you if you did decide to play the flop strongly because you had a, a razor and you're betting into the razor, who's supposed to have aces or kings there, that's the way they kind of make it look, even though he's middle position. You know, if you're thinking that, then you get all the money because now you bet out. This guy raises you with his boat, you know, and then you, you shove on him and he calls what his boat flop six is full, which is what we talked about midway through this hand of the week. And then you get all the money because you river the queen. Online, you may not river the queen because it happened too fast, and that card may not have come. But in the real world, where cards are destined, you know that's how you get the most money: is betting that flop, hoping this guy raises you because he's hoping you have a queen there, and then yeah. he raises your flop bet, you re-raise him all in or whatever it is, and then he shoves or whatever it is. That's how you get the most. Other than that, on the turn, you know you could have bet out the turn, and then he might have raised you there, and you might have gotten it all in. But at that point he's starting to worry a little bit too because he might think you have queen three or queen six or something, you know, because you were in the blind. So he may not automatically just shove on you or get all your money. But I think that the flop is where you could have gotten all the money. Um,
0: the river, there's oh, no chance. I, think if I got the boat there. I mean, because that, that boat is super vulnerable, right? Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing flop for you, but it's super vulnerable because, again, you got five, five players in this hand. You got to think somebody else has a queen, which means if they have a queen – one, you're gonna get their money, which is what you want anyhow, right? And then two, they are going. They got a lot of cards that could come to pair their kicker. That's gonna beat you. So, yeah, I don't see any way had we bet out there that that money doesn't get all in on the flop. So, um, unless we fold <laughs> to a big race, right? So, so yeah, that that's where you get your money in, I think. Um, it's I mean, funny. maybe. It's, what happened on the turn, but.
2: it's funny that guy saved money by not betting the flop. And he did. you know, and you, yeah. you don't usually bet the flop when you flop the world like that. But yeah. you know, had he bet the flop, he would have been like, Oh, he would have lost all of his money. So or whatever, he had it covered, but um, yeah, I, I don't think you get any more money out of this hand unless you bet that flop. And we talked at the time you gotta do what's best for the moment, not in hindsight. And so at the moment you don't bet that flop unless you're positive the middle position player, has a worse queen than you, which you can't possibly know, or that he's the type of player that if he has aces or kings, he's going to raise you there. And then all of a sudden the six sixes wake up and shove on you, you get lucky. But we didn't really have too many reasons for betting that flop in the small blind, um, because people are usually afraid of paired boards. And if they don't have one of those cards, or if they don't have the the unpaired card, generally they all fold. So there's no way for you to get more money unless you bet that flop and uh, we already said you wouldn't do that so i think you got the max value for it
0: really probably absolutely and i, I do want to give you credit here because you did say hey, everybody's going to assume that you have a queen when you raise and that's exactly what this guy muttered um, oh yeah but i do think he's selling himself short there i mean and if he did say he had a boat there now granted that boat is worthless now if if we have any of the other hands I said that we could have had, which is Jacks, Tens, Nines, it's, or Eight. Yeah, so, right. so it doesn't really matter, I guess, at that point. But to, to mutter that he had the Queen, I, I could see myself muttering, uh, "He caught up to me," or "He flopped yeah. the boat and he he got he improved." I don't know if I'm muttering he has the Queen there, but that's what you said, and maybe you're maybe I'm I'm not thinking it correctly there. But
2: I don't know. I'm I'm just as rusty as you. I mean, I I can't remember the last hand of poker I played where you know at all. So never mind uh, properly. So, but yeah, to me, I just felt like there was no way that you could raise there and not have a queen. You could call because you could have eight eight nine nine ten ten jack jack, and both of these players could have those hands the way this hand played. You go back from the beginning and play it to the end with all of those pairs and all those guys' hands, and that's pretty much how this whole hand could have gone exactly the same way for all those scenarios. So for me to yeah. raise there's just no way to raise there for me or to call a raise I mean when I'm the villain so but I'm glad he won the hand cuz he lost last week yeah right so he got he got some of that money back and uh that was a pretty big pot even even though the guy didn't call the river bet raise or whatever that's still a big pot for Mike so that's good
0: oh and there is one last paragraph which is actually interesting with the discussion we just had here so he did say as far as I'm folding and proclaiming I must have a Mustang queen that he folded a flop boat, I'm not entirely sure I believe him. He never showed. Putting anybody on claws even when there's three on the board, is tough. It's literally one card that you're putting them on. I honestly think it's way more likely anybody just has a pocket pair in that spot. And if he's sitting with 6-6, six, six, he just got counterfeited in a major way to just about every other pair a player could have. If you're in a spot that you fold, it's about 2.30 to call and win 7 uh, seven fifteen. So, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I, I can see him folding there because of that same scenario. But but interesting, that might kind of solve it my way there. Um, yeah. but it, it doesn't really matter at that point. Right. So, right. I mean, right. Yeah. I just don't, uh,
2: just I, don't, beat regardless, so. yep, yeah. I don't, I don't see anyone. I, I just, I just couldn't for my life and me see any reason to call a raise on that river like that. I just, there's, there's no hand that I beat now. Even if you flopped the boat, like you said he got counterfeited. So if you had eight, eight or nine, nine, it's weird that he said the queen cause that's all I could think of too. Um, it really feels like eight, eight or nine, nine or Jack, Jack or ten ten would have, would have done more than just calling. But again, that person would have been afraid of the third queen at that point. So they didn't have the boat if they were playing it the way the villain thought, you know, until the queen came. And then, you know, because he was hoping that you had a pair that was bigger than a six so that you could just, you know, think, oh, this guy must have a six and that's why he's betting because he thinks his two pair with an ace is good. And then uh, he was hoping you had eight, nine or ten or a pair of jacks. But uh, once that queen comes and you raise, there's just no chance that you have anything worse than that. At least in my mind. But, Well, Mike, thanks for sending in the uh, pair of hands. We always love when people send us stuff to use on the show.
0: I'm
1: Chris Casenza, And I'm
0: Scott Long. We'll see you at the table.
1: Up is a production of AntioffMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntioffMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.